This episode of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike is brought to you by Dream Symbols, manufacturers of handmade, hand-hammered symbols at very affordable prices. So please follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for at Dream Symbols and check them out. Oh, those sweet beats from Ryan Halsey. How's it going, everybody? Welcome into episode 138 of the Modern Drummer Podcast. As you're about to hear, Mike and I take a left turn on Tangent Avenue while we're getting all caught up. Then we're going to talk some education. We'll talk about creating rhythmic tension with five-note phrasing. Our featured artist this week is the incredible Travis Orban. We'll be checking out the Yamaha Tour custom drum set in our gear review section. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions. And as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. One, two... Three, four. Why can't I ever count you in without a moron voice? Like <laughs> we're that how speaking. You count a band in? <laughs> yeah, of course. What do you want me to do? Count my band in? Like one, two, three, whatever. No way, man. It's one, two, three. Like I make it as staccato as I can, but I don't know why I can't count you in normally. Like we're speaking, everything's good. I'm like, you ready to do this? And then I just lose my mind, and it's like I'm like an umpire, like. <laughs> And it's like, it makes no sense. Anyways, Welcome how you doing, bud? In. I'm good. Welcome into episode 138. We got I'm a- clearly <laughs> green tea caffeinated. I'm ready to go. Indeed. Good morning. Mm-hmm. So that was, who was that? Ryan Halsey. You know Ryan, right? Yeah, I do. Ryan's an awesome drummer. Uh, he's been with the site for a long time, and he's really one of those guys that when he came on the site, he was not there and I mean this in a positive way, but he was not there just to make friends and just to take advantage of our social happy vibe at Mike's Lessons. He was there to get better at the drums, and he put in the time, and he's a fantastic player, um, and he's always getting better. So killer groove, and he did his job. He didn't use this as an opportunity to display his chops. He said, all right, well, Mike J's got to talk over this, so exactly. let me give him just a nice swanky <laughs> beat. So what's he using on the kit? He's got himself a big old 24-inch bass drum. Come on, uh, and then a dampened 22 inch dark big apple ride, vinyl ride. I don't know what that means. Dampened, maybe a little bit of tape, something. A gaff. Yeah, yeah. Sounds nice and tight. Has that kind of Steve Jordan swing to it. I dig it. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Good stuff indeed. Thank you for that, Ryan. Appreciate it, uh, dude. My summer just got out of control. Uh-oh. So breaking camps, news. So, we yeah. need like a we need like an audio drop. Burm, burm, burm. Yeah. Breaking yeah. news. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> I've been nominated for secretary oh, of <laughs> bro. Uh, I don't know if the drum gods were like, "What do you mean you weren't nominated as clinician of the year last year?" We'll fix that. Here's everything that one human can squeeze into uh, a summer. I unbelievable. So you know, I think it was last year. That you and I talked, and I was like, I I just need a break from the clinic scene for a while. I need to focus right. on the website and focus yeah. on my own drumming. So uh, I kind of told Amber, who is the gatekeeper of my schedule, I said, you know what? I want to get back into doing clinics. If, if opportunities come, let's take them. We're not going to actively search them out, but if they come our way, let's take them. So the first thing that we added this year was the UK drum show. Right. Super excited. I think Stanton Moore just got added to that. Cool. So now it's... Me, Benny, Jojo, Stanton, Richard Spaven, and God, like a couple others that are just mind blowers. So that's going to be a blast. Um, so that was our main thing. And I just kind of thought, okay, between my 10 drum camps, the Ireland camp, which now have, has Keith Carlock added to it, yep. and the UK drum show, I'm good. That's 2018. I'm out. And I figured during the UK drum show, I'll tack on maybe Scotland and Sweden, like get mm-hmm. a little European uh, clinic run out of there. Then we got called, and I got offered, I think, one or two drum festivals in Poland. And okay. I was like, well, that sounds cool. That's like, what? I mean, four days with travel? I got it. <laughs> then, now this is not official, so everyone hang tight before you start writing emails. But then I get a call from Gretsch, and you know it's their 135th anniversary. Right, yeah. And so they said, we want you to do a clinic run. Can you do two months hey, in Asia? And I was like, oh, I don't know if you actually know what I do for a living, but no, I can't. That's not quite Uh, a run. That's a life. Yeah, that's a life. I was like, no, I can't do two months. And they said, well, how much can you do? I said, "Uh, let me look at the camp schedule because it has to be this year because next year will be their 136th anniversary. I can't push it to January. So we found a spot in between. I have a camp here 
and then I have two weeks off and then a camp here again. So we found a spot where if I leave the morning after camp and get to Asia, spend two weeks doing everyday clinics, and then I can get back in time for orientation for camp here. So it's going to, so it's including, (laughs) now this is not official, but it's, it's including what we're working on is Japan. Uh, It'd be Tokyo, Japan, Seoul, South Korea, Bangkok, Thailand, uh, Beijing, China, uh, Jakarta, Indonesia, and one other in Taiwan that I can't remember the city of. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's so, a lot. <laughs> dude. So, uh, so now what was going to be nothing now includes Ireland for sure with probably uh, some other, other dates. The UK drum show for sure with definitely some other dates. A couple festivals in Poland. And then it looks like a bunch of festivals and clinics all over Asia. Mixed in with the 10 drum camps here. So uh, I'm going to skip Nam again. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I will be asleep in so January. So what about the people who have the camp when you get back? <laughs> okay, so I thought about that. I think that's going to be the winner of the whole year. You would think I'll be wrecked, but I'm going to be not. I think I'll be so excited to be back in my home city and be home and talking to people in my own language instead of using a translator, I think I'm going to be juiced. Maybe spiritually, but physically? <laughs> Dude, I found these new little tablets uh, <laughs> called Crack. No, I've, uh, oh, that's amazing. I, you know, uh, yeah. uh, one of my best friends, he just moved to Seoul, so I'm sure he'll be at that one. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forever. forward to when I was uh, over in China the first time, anytime I ran into like a transplanted American drummer, they would hug me like I was their family. You know, they're like, can we just speak English for a second? I'm like, yeah, right. of course. And they're just like bearing edges. Tune bot. They would just say words. I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, it's funny. Hey, man, let's talk drumming real quick before we get into your life, yep. which is more fun than mine. So I had somebody ask. They they were on the Mike's Lessons family page on Facebook, and they said, hey, I saw the most recent video of Mike J tuning his snare. Uh, I did like a tuning video on how to get snare sounds for the gig. And they said, it seemed like he was tuning his snare all willy nilly style. Okay. Is that okay? And what I responded to, and I just wanted to get your take on this. Cause I was like, I wonder if Mike agrees with this. I said, the snare is a different beast because the bottom head is muted by these snare wires. So I can be a little more willy nilly with it. I could just completely detune the two tension rods near myself And it's going to be okay. And I'm putting gels on it. But with my toms, I'm much more surgical because a little bit of wonkiness in the bottom head could throw off the whole thing. Uh, Do you tune your toms willy-nilly too? Or is it – if you're on a gig, uh, are you you a little more cavalier with the snare tuning than you are with your toms? Yes. So – Okay. Let's see. I think kick drum and snare drum, you can kind of go do all kinds of stuff with them. So season to taste. Yeah. Toms, I think as soon as a lug gets out, you start hearing the pitch wobble, and then then you got to fix it. So I try to keep my tom heads balanced. And toms, unless you're playing really hard, I've found toms just don't really fall out of tune much because you're not hitting rim shots very often. Once you get them dialed in, you know I might adjust them for the room depending or whatever. But the snare, I mean, yeah, I mean the once you hit maybe ten rim shots, it's already out of tune. It's it's yeah. already loosened up somewhere. Even if you have lug mm-hmm. locks, something's loosening up. And, yeah. some, and I've found sometimes the best sound is when I don't realize it, and one of the tension rods has come all the way out. That's so. the best when uh, when you've been playing all night, and then you look down and there's something on the ground. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, uh, I'm not putting that back in because my snare has never sounded this good. You know. Yeah. Um, okay, cool, man. So what's going on in your world? I had a breakthrough. You know, we were talking last week. We were answering who was it? Was it? Garrett's question about plateaus. Oh yeah, yeah. I I was in a plateau, and then just this week, my single stroke roll went up two BPM. <laughs> hey, nice! It just automatically, and not only that, but I've also um, I've been using the middle triplet as my my click for yep. for all my warm ups for three four months straight every day, and it finally like this week I don't have to think about it. I just turn it on, and it's on the middle note. Really? Which it took me six months to get the offbeat, you know, like the eighth note on the offbeat to be that way. Right. That got a little too easy. I put it on the middle triplet, and it was like starting all over again. And it right. took me forever. I have to do all kinds of little mental tricks to flip it. Now I just turn it on, and I can just hear it. 
So another Dude. plateau I've I've broken That's through. That's awesome. Time to man. go for another one. So it just takes time. I mean, I was stuck uh, at the 105, 108 for my single stroke roll months. And some days it'd be more, some days it'd be less. But now it's like, oh, I can just go straight through that. Now I'm pushing two or three above right. that. You know what I think is tough too with a single stroke roll is there's the physicality of it, but there's also hearing. You know, I, I'm assuming you're playing uh, 30 second notes at 100 BPM or 108 or whatever. Oh yeah, this is yeah. I'm going complete accuracy, ultimate. I'm not I'm not right. spazzy single stroke. Roll. Hearing that without the pulse, I mean, I can drop 220 if you let me go, right. just yeah. and get that pulse in there. But as soon as we go here, I'm like, I don't know where the downbeat is. <laughs> right. I don't, you know, um, and I just I just did that as well. Um, so I mentioned to you before we got on the air that today I have my first CrossFit orientation thing i've done crossfit before i didn't like the gym i didn't like the vibe and then i found a new place where i really love the vibe and so i have my first thing today but i what got me into joining was that i was watching the crossfit games documentary on netflix um Mm. and i was watching it because i watch anything that i can find about greatness knowing that it'll totally i never i never watch that stuff and go you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna be the fittest man on earth (laughs) i watch that stuff and go my singles suck and if they can dedicate their lives like that i can dedicate myself to singles so for the this might shock our listeners and it might shock you but for the first time ever i sat down and charted out my singles doubles and paradiddles all with no accents with a metronome i've never known ever i'm like the guy that i've never stepped on a scale because I don't, it's like, I, what does it matter? I either look like crap or I look good. <laughs> what does it matter if you call it 175 or 182? I, I don't care. Either my clothes fit or they don't. So I've kind of always felt like that too. And I thought, okay, I'm going to sit down and do this. And I was shocked. I can tell you, I think my singles were about somewhere around 80 BPM as 30 second notes without the pulse. Mm-hmm. With the pulse, I can get up to like 120, which is 240 16th notes. Right. But once I took that pulse out, I was like, God, I really don't know where I am. Because yeah. I've always used yeah. a single stroke roll as like a, almost like a buzz roll. I've always gone like. Just a sound. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but now I want the clarity of everything. Um, also, taking the pulse out of my paradiddles took them down from, uh, you know, 30 seconds at 115 to 120, took them way down. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I was just like, wow, I, I have them memorized as this physical pulse-driven thing. And as yeah, soon as I took a, that pulse, it was tough. Yeah, it's like a block. Of, but that's, that's why I, I love that Bill Bachman exercise from stick technique because you're just adding one group of 30-second notes every measure. So when you get up towards the end, you're playing one 16th note and a ton of 30-second notes. One 16th right. note and a ton of 30-second notes. So mm-hmm. if you have the metronome on the and – it's fallen in the middle of a single stroke roll. Uh, and if you're not hearing it clearly, so it's been more of an ear training, mental training than yeah. anything else. I mean, it's also physical. I'm feeling it. My, my wrists definitely feel stronger, but I can right. hear it now. And that's the big thing. It's been, well, it's I, been really I can neat. say that, you know, I would love to take all the credit in the world for this, but I, I can't. I, I got to say, spending that week with Carter McLean here uh, when we did the camp together completely changed my mindset on the drums and it wasn't from him teaching it it was from me just observing observing him and studying everything and i thought okay if i if i zoomed out of my own drumming and looked at what is the most glaring weakness that i wish was better obviously you could say double bass and it's like well yeah but i don't wish it was any better so Mm. but the most glaring weakness that i find in the drummers that i idolize that i'm missing was control I don't have control over the stroke. I have my predetermined way that it works. And so the stuff that I'm doing in the garage on my pad now at night is, you know, double strokes at 80 BPM as 16th notes, but I'm controlling every single note. um, And I am so noticing it in my groove. Like I'm ghosting into backbeats in a way that I used to put a 16th note on the hi hat into the backbeat to make that dupa dupa because I, and it's like okay, well, think of the frequencies. That's giving me cha 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 instead of and having that left hand ghost into the backbeat is thickening up my groove not only on a subdivisional level and a texture level, but on a sonic level. Mm-hmm. Now all that chatter is coming from the mid range frequency of my snare drum instead of the high frequency of my hi hat, and it's completely changing the feel of my groove just by moving the subdivisions down one frequency level. 
you know so interesting did I mean, any it, of that make any sense it made sense to me perfectly yeah i'm right there with you i mean it, I, I don't know if i've ever shared the steve jordan when he killed my my uh ego and one one response to a question have i talked about that uh, if you him, have, talk about it again. I it, I asked him. It was when I interviewed him for the cover, and I was in the very beginning of this. You know, finally admitting that I had a problem with time. <laughs> you know, finally <laughs> acknowledging that hey, you don't sound so good because your subdivisions and your time sucks. So obviously, I wanted to pick his brain about it. And the question sure. I asked him was, "How do you know if something's grooving or not?" That was the question. I figured this is going to okay. take him that down seems- this awesome path. He's going to have all these suggestions. <laughs> And he just seems like he, a logical question. And of course, he was doing the interview with sunglasses on, so he right. pulled him down and looked at me right in the eye, and he goes, "If you have to ask that question, it's not grooving." And that was oh. it. That was it. I was like, oh, "Okay." So that sent me on the oh. path of, "Okay, well, how do I know if I'm grooving mm. or not? How do I yeah. never question it?" And it it just took me back down the route of, "You just can't hear subdivisions accurately. You're not in control. You're not in control yeah. of it. Control." Yep. And that's, that's that's it. That's took me down. I mean, I haven't learned a new piece of rhythmic vocabulary ever since. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, well, I mean, exactly. I think most people that have been playing as long as you and I have, it's like I, we've got enough vocabulary. It's now how do we how do we display it. that vocabulary? Yeah, yeah fine tuning it. Well, we should probably start the podcast. <clears throat> All right, where are we at? Welcome in, everybody. Episode oh, one thirty-eight. I do have. Uh, I want to remind anyone who's in the Detroit or Fremont, Ohio area. I'll be there next weekend, April twentieth to the twenty-second, for the Midwest Rhythm Summit. So you can go to midwestrhythmsummit.org, nice. I believe, and you can get some tickets. I think it's twenty bucks for the whole weekend. Um, I'll just be there hanging out. I'm doing a clinic on using electronics in a practical manner for. You know, everyday drumming, practice, and live. Um, and then I think Tom Famularo is there. Wes Little's there. There's going to be some amazing bass players there. It's not just drummers. It's it's cool. all rhythm players. So if you're in the area, come check it out and dig that. Awesome. All right. Well, let's talk a little more education, even though we kind of went down that path <clears throat> accidentally in our in our catch up. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is an article in the uh, Rock and Jazz Clinic section of the new issue of Modern Drummer. Creating Rhythmic Tension in Five-Note Phrasing by Mark... Dicciani. Dicciani. He's a dean that. of... Just didn't want to... Dean at my alma mater. He was actually my private drum set instructor when I was getting my master's. Really? He's the dean of the college. Wow. Worked his way That's on That's pretty up. cool. <laughs> yeah. Well... Um, now, I think this article, um, if anyone has the May issue, it's on page 64... This is another one where it's so much about training your ears as it is training your body. Totally. I mean, if you can't hear was, fives, you're in trouble. Exactly. So that was the the first thing when I started. Well, I told you before we started, I I had it on a very small phone screen, and I'm like, this is impossible. Nobody could do this. <laughs> and then I and then I kind of zoomed in. I'm like, never mind. I, I thought he started the article by accenting every fifth note in paradiddles. And I'm like, well, that's not a good starting place. <laughs> but then I realized, okay, so if you guys haven't seen it, exercise one, you're just playing paradiddles for two bars um, and just getting used to the pulse, the pulse of a 4-4 four, four feel. And then you go into the traditional five-note grouping that most of us really start with, which would be right, left, right, left, left, but only accenting the first note. And I think that's something that people don't do in that grouping. I think almost everybody goes right, left, right, left, right, Yeah, left, it becomes a two-accent pattern. Bum, Right. And so the first thing, like just like what you said, the first thing you need to be able to do, and there's multiple ways to do it, is you need to hear what every fifth, sixteenth note sounds like. One thing you guys could do at home is just get used to counting sixteenth notes the way you've always counted them, one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a and just start accenting the fifth note with your voice. Like one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a one e and a two e and a E and and you'll notice oh it goes number e and uh number yep. e cycling. and yep. uh you'll hear that cycle and i think that that is so key to this if you now obviously we'd love for everyone to hear a five over four polytheism that would be great but i couldn't do that i didn't start there i started no. going one e and two <laughs> E and uh, all Dave DeCenza like one E and a two E and a three E and a yeah. four. Well, I think that's where the sticking helps you if you can't hear it quite yet. If you know you're Agreed. playing the sticking right, you can eventually your ear will get used to it. And 
as Mark yeah. does in the article, keeping the bass drum and the hi-hat playing the 4-4 pulse, you're always going to be reinforced of where the accents fall against it. Yeah. And then eventually you shift you know, the bass drum or the left foot to, to reinforce the 5. So now you're hearing, you know, it's all about, for me, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's switching the perspective. Can you hear the pulse? Can you hear the 5? Can you hear them both? Can you switch halfway back and forth? Can you use different stickings? Right. It's like this and there's, I think there's process. a balance, too, between do you know what this actually is on a music theory level, which is kind of like a box that we've talked about, you know, is reading good for you like last week? Or do you not know what it is, but you do it, which is yeah. also cool. You know, I mean, there's lots of drummers where I'm like, dang, you are into polyrhythms. And they're like, what? what's a polyrhythm? I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, are you that awesome that you can just do that? I had to put in all this work to be able to do this. But yeah, I mean, once you start hearing that, you know, you can have fives become a new backbeat. It can be an implied metric modulation. Yep. You know, you start kick on every uh, every tenth note and snare on every, you know, I guess fifth and fifteenth note. And right. and so you can start to all of a sudden, I don't even know what the hell I was trying to say. You got it. <laughs> Making a standard rock groove out of every fifth note. Yeah, um, which is but the, yeah, there's so the much end, you can do with that's this. the end of Mark's article too. He does that, so he has a kick on one, and then the snare and the rider on the E of two, and the kick on the and of mm-hmm. three, and then the snare and the ride on the of four, and just keeps cycling. So uh, you I, meant that I could have scrolled down to number ten, and then yeah, I wouldn't have had have. to say what I said exactly, <laughs> which I just did. <laughs> but I think the, the stuff in the middle is where most of us, myself included, skip over, and that's adding rest to the five not constantly playing a five note sticking but can you put a rest on the fourth note can you put a rest on the third note can you just play the first Mm -hmm. two notes and still maintain the five and i think the other thing that really shows up in this article is that fives are not quintuplets oh yeah right, right fives are a grouping quintuplets is a subdivision so you can get so much if you're somebody that's Maybe a little scared to go down the rabbit hole of quintuplets and septuplets. That doesn't mean that you don't play fives and sevens. No, I use I've, fives I would, all the time. I never so do I. use quintuplets. It's right. For, it's exactly. a different language, and I don't. I don't know that I play with enough rhythm section players who've practiced quintuplets to be like, dude, stop rushing. I mean, to not get at what I'm doing. If you but think if, about the fives and seven, um, or I'm sorry, the quintuplets and septuplet users out there. That's been a very big Instagram thing of drummers playing by themselves. With tracks. So it's like you don't have <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, or tracks. They were written metronome, by themselves. Yeah, metronome in their ear, but they're not telling you they're using a metronome. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and the metronome's quintuplets. No, but still I, I think that fives or three I would I just say odd groupings. Threes, fives, and sevens are God, 70% of my language when I'm improvising? Because I don't want to always be playing groups of four and digga 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 You have to bust out of that. I mean, everything. Even when I think of just a right, left, left as a three and then throwing in a normal four, a right, left, kick, kick. Well, really, now that's a seven, you know? Yeah, use a seven to kind of force your perspective on a different side of the beat. Totally. And I think that this thing is really written well, like you said, uh, just taking you from the beginning, hearing every fifth, sixteenth note and in using. I think that right, left, right, left, left is actually easier than playing single strokes. I think playing single strokes and hitting every fifth one confuses people because they don't know when the phrase ended. And it's like, is it a left? Is it a right? But right, left, right, left, left. You kind of know, Okay, I've got that sticking memorized. And now I just have to eventually not hear it as one, two, three, four, because then it's quintuplets. Um, You know, but if, and so I think playing some paradiddles, getting that feeling going, one E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a one E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a one E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a one E and a. That's that's awesome. Really cool stuff. So everyone, check out. This is the newest Rock and Jazz Clinic article in the current issue of Modern Drummer: Five Note Phrasing by Mark Dicciani. And just start using threes and fives to stretch your rhythmic vocabulary and your phrasing vocabulary. Uh, it'll really help a lot. Talking about phrasing, yeah. this dude, oh. <laughs> you know, he's been on the scene since around, we all kind of joined this new thing called YouTube around the same time, 12 years ago, and he Can't was- it's been 12 years, holy moly. I know, it's crazy. I mean, I wonder where my career would be 
without YouTube. I don't think I would have been able to get, I would have been doing private lessons, which I was obsessed with. Um, I think I'd probably own a few schools. That's what I'd be doing. Mm -hmm. But how could I have ever done festivals if there weren't people seeing me on the hundreds of thousands of, you know, level to, to pull me into these countries? It, It just never would have happened. So the career I have, uh, even as far as clinics and drum festivals couldn't have happened without YouTube. But anyways, Travis uh, Orban, who is our featured artist this this week, he was one of those people that was there in the beginning. And I remember there was the real drum crew and then there was the virtual drum crew. The real drum crew, the freaks were Thomas Lang, Virgil's Nani, uh, Marco Miniman for sure. And then there was, oh, but who's on YouTube? And I'm not talking clips. Okay, here's the difference. All those guys that I just mentioned, they had clips of their DVDs on YouTube. Right, yeah. Myself, Travis, and, and, a, and a group of others, we were making content for the platform. And Travis was the freak that was making – and I, by freak, I mean playing stuff that you and I can't play. Because <laughs> we're not dedicated enough, clearly. Uh, but he was playing all the, oh my gosh, how is this possible metal stuff. But uh, it was a different level of metal at the time. We were also leaving that world of – pantera and stuff behind and we were moving into this new more modern version of metal that was super super clean yeah and um, more compact and, kits i think i think travis yeah. early on um he definitely referenced mike mangini a lot which is kind of ironic yeah. but because he uses a small kit but it's the ambidextrous thing where he he was that's what i remember first seeing was here's this guy doing really awesome looking and sounding that was there weren't very many good sounding drum videos on youtube at the time agreed usually super distorted lo-fi but he had great looking great sounding and he was using uh, this like symmetrical kit that i hadn't seen a lot of people doing at the time where he was able to just start riding with either hand and playing bass drum patterns with either foot and it's pretty wild. And using tree trunk sticks, too. Marching sticks. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, they were flying off the drum heads, you right. know? I mean, obviously, the dude has seen the inside of a gym before, but <laughs> right. he just played with so much flow, and it was a different way. Now, before we go too deep into it, you guys should definitely hear who we're talking about. So let's uh, show you a little bit of Travis Orman. So that's who we're talking about now. uh, I also love that he seems to have a sense of humor because a lot of times right at the beginning of a video, he'll kind of look at the camera just to give you a look of like, this is going to be tough. Um, And and it's like, all right, here goes. Wish me the best of luck. And then he just nails it. He also a lot of times has uh, or gosh, almost every time he has sheet music in front of him. Yeah, yeah, that that reminds me. I think the first time I saw his name was he did uh, all the transcriptions for Chris Adler's uh, transcription book back in the day. Like oh. we're going back like ten years ago or something. And yeah. maybe he did some work with Matt Halpern for some periphery. Yeah, probably because he he does. Yeah, he does a lot. Of, well, yeah, he probably did the trans um, the book uh, the periphery book because he's got a ton of periphery playthroughs uh, where he's playing periphery songs note for note. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the one now. It's the periphery play along. Unleash the P W N I E S twenties, and he looked at the yeah. camera like, "Here it comes." <laughs> yeah, and then it goes. Um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And you're right. I mean, he was one of the first drummers in this scene that was doing remote hi hats. Was completely ambidextrous, and yeah, you're looking totally. at his kick going like. Well, I'm glad he's not hosting an open mic night because I can't sit in on that thing. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same, same same thing yesterday. Like if if I knew I wasn't going to try to actually just go out and play with random people in random clubs, I would love to do this. But this would right. create such a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, totally, totally. Like, sorry, dude, I got to move your ride symbol off to the left of my hi hat, and it right. ain't going to work. To my <laughs> second hats and uh, I, mean, I love uh, bro, the where's commitment. Your stacker? But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, Travis is just a freak of drumming. And if you guys haven't, and I, and I mean that, I keep saying that, but I mean that in the best way. Cause when I look at him, it's actually very reminiscent of what I watched in those CrossFit documentaries where somebody has just really dedicated their life, 
wake up in the morning, get on the path. And I don't know this about Travis. You and I both are not, we don't know him, but he just seems like the kind of person where it's like, he puts in the time. You, I, I'm willing to guarantee he's got a log of his BPMs going back years. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Unlike me, 35 years into the game, and I'm like, I wonder how fast I can play doubles cleanly. <clears throat> yeah, if he's yeah. listening, he's like, Oh, Johnston, where are you? What are you doing? Totally. Come on, man. How do you not know that? It's like eh, I just eh, I've, I've had so many other things to do, oh, but. Uh, but yeah, I think that he's a fantastic player, and I he gets love, great sounds too. I mean, that, that now yes. I definitely remember. I was just getting my my studio set up at home, and I was just trying to find some resources online of guys who are kind of not in major studios because he had his own studio at the time, and he kind of set the bar like, "Wow, if I can get that level of a sound out of a home studio, then mm-hmm. then I'll be good to go." I because mean, he gets an amazing snare drum sound. Yeah, and I, I think it's also cool that. It doesn't. He doesn't have an overly triggered sound for this. Like you can hear his cymbals. Yeah. You can really hear them, you know. And you can hear everything. You can hear the drums bleeding into themselves in a good way. It's like, oh, cool. This. I don't know. Sometimes the the metal scene gets so oversampled that it's yeah. really hard to make an emotional commitment to it. Yeah, um, I, it's it's immediately turns me off if I'm like, okay, did he program it or did he play it? If I ask that question, then I don't want to listen anymore. Right. I need to hear well, a little bit of grit and, and sweat in that those double kicks. Yeah, totally, <laughs> you know? totally. And uh, with with Travis's playing, you can definitely hear that. Um, so before we let you hear some more of him, definitely just check out Travis Orban. Just go to his YouTube channel, subscribe. Uh, he definitely deserves it. This guy, like I said, has put in the time. Uh, his channel has 5.7 million views. So uh, not he's he, not, <laughs> not, not enough. enough. I agree. Uh, yeah, he's uploaded uh, 282 videos. So, he's, so been, he's, he's been at it. I mean, we transcribed yeah. a bunch of little excerpts, uh, Austin. Bertram transcribed him. It's in the May issue. His new EP is called Silly String 2. I suggest you probably go through his entire discography to get the context of where Silly String 1 and 2 fall. Um, but it's it's neat. I mean, he's going for it. There's stuff in 11.8. There's stuff in 6.4. We got something that's in, well, it's an 11, what we call an 11 note tuplet. 11 tuplet? <laughs> what would you call yeah, that? Yeah, great. I don't know. Uh, so in, 10 would be a decatuplet? What would yeah. 11 be? I don't know, but it's an 11 You know what? Let's four. go Lord of the Rings on it. It's an 11D tuplet. <laughs> All right, an 11D. Yeah. 11D yeah. So we're going to drop 11 years. Uh, just a couple chunks from Silly String. You can see kind of where he's at. show we need to thank our sponsor dream symbols they actually uploaded a couple lessons to the website and the first one that i pulled up is by my good friend pal randolph it's it's what's he doing he's using the crop circle which is dreams metal disc with some jingles in it to make this really kind of neat sounding groove so if you go to dreamsymbols.com backslash lessons you'll see a couple there um, i'm going to hopefully drop in the audio from this you can kind of hear pal's beat he's playing how can I break it down? It's a paradiddle between the hi-hat and snare. And then on beat two, he hits a backbeat. And then he starts another paradiddle on the end of two, followed by another backbeat. And then beat four is an open hi-hat and a snare. Does that make sense? So and it's paradiddle it snare. Paradiddle snare. Snare. Yep. But it doesn't sound like that. So check out this audio. <laughs> pretty wicked (laughs) oh it's awesome i just loved our dramatic pauses we checked it out and just stared at it uh you know it's it's cool where we're at right now 
uh, where we're at right now with with gear and stuff. I wonder how many young drummers out there, especially people that are just kind of starting, are looking to companies like Dream and other companies that would be considered a little more boutique than your standard Zildjian, Sabian, Minel, Peisty, looking to that to kind of forge a path of their own sound and have like a little brand association that's a little bit different. Because if you think about it now, you're also playing stuff. Everything you play says something about you. And I could see a lot of people being really turned on by the stuff where it's like, wow, that's a unique sound. And that could add to my, to who I am and I identify with it. And, uh, I got to say one thing that Dream kind of crushes, and I know that I'm always obsessed with the details that no one else cares about, but the logos on the symbols are so understated. It doesn't seem like they're trying to be like, hey, just so you know, it's a Dream (laughs) symbol. It's like, oh, there's like, I don't know, some scribble up at the top. And it's like, that's cool. Yeah. That's that's kind of awesome. Yeah. Stay out of the way. You don't have to tell. You don't have to scream to the world who made it. So yeah, uh, the crop circle is cool, and I think they're they're pretty cheap. So the, yeah, this is a cool little thing you throw on your snare drum, and you can turn paradiddle grooves into something that sounds like deconstructed that. drum and bass. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool stuff for sure. All <laughs> right, uh, let's get into some gear talk. Uh, this kit is a little polarizing for me. There's yeah. moments where uh-huh. I love. It. I think it has a, a home, and I think that it's. Um, well, first of all, we're talking about the Yamaha, what is it, the Tour Custom Drum Set. Yep. And this drum set's been out for a while, but is this a new version of it? They brought, well, the Tour Custom, I think, got discontinued, and they brought it back as an all-maple gotcha. kit. I think originally it okay. was like a, a birch maple hybrid or something. It's I think it's in the review I said what it was, but uh, what was it? Yeah, it was a birch mahogany originally. Okay. Now it's an all-maple shell, so they're, they've kind of... Instead of it being this kind of nichey, dark, punchy sound, it's an all-purpose, can-do-all-things type of shell. That's right. the that's the goal. That's the goal. Gotcha. Well, I've I felt that like it really. Now this is a sixteen by twenty-two inch kick. So in the beginning of your audio review, you had it cranked up pretty good, right? Yeah, nothing inside. Again, I think I kind of wish manufacturers would send front heads with a port just as default. I agree. Because I I, agree. I don't want to feel like I have to manipulate the drum to get get an example of what it sounds like and i don't love solid head big drums that aren't going for a bottom sound in general and i think that that was the only thing that stuck out to me as i was like oh that's kind of weird and then uh, yeah then it clicked oh that's right that's probably stock head no port nothing in it what are you going to do when you crank up a 22 (laughs) it's going to be like Bong, oh, bong. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the toms were absolutely singing. Yep. I will say the toms handled everything. Every tuning you threw at them, they just, yep. they almost had the recording custom vibe as far yep. as they just make a tom note and get the hell out of the way. Yep. And those were a single ply clear ambassadors, top and bottom. Unreal, man. They sound yeah. fantastic. And the floor tom is a inch shallower than the norm. So you've got a 15 by 16 floor uh, rack tom. I mean, it's kind of becoming standard for 10s now, but you've got a 7 by 10 rack, um, 8 by 12 uh, second rack tom. And then did it come with the snare? Uh, it did not. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, you know, Yamaha, I think, always makes one thing that they do really well is they make clean sounding drums, yeah. and those toms just exemplified that. Uh, the only thing that threw me off was the kick, but everything yep. else sounded fantastic. Yeah, um, I really wanted to cut a hole in that head, but I just can't do it. I can't do it. So, I mean, I did test it with a different head. I just didn't demo it with a different head, and it does exactly mm-hmm. what you want a Yamaha bass drum to do. If you put a pillow inside or something, it just hits as a nice, like, not a super hyped up attack. Not a super subby bass. It just punches and gets out of the way. Exactly what I look for from a Yamaha drum. And, uh, you know, in that $1,300 range, if you're looking for a kit that, like Mike said, is an all-around kit, can handle multiple tuning ranges, uh, but most importantly, has a clean sound. If, if I was trying to break in, let's say that I just moved to Nashville and I just needed to have my own kit that was my session kit, and I didn't have a lot of money, this would be a great kit where you're like, it'll always sound like drums. 
Yeah. And I'm not oh, yeah. I'm not bringing in some vintage Slingerland that's going to be super characteristic. This is just going to sound like clean, clean drums. Yeah, I think this is a good kit where the drum head you choose will make a huge difference. Like that's mm, that's clear point. single ply ambassadors, and it was pretty bright, but not like I didn't feel like oh my god, why they put these heads on here? You know, right. like I could get a lot of sounds out of it, and if I use a little bit more, you know, tape or whatever, I could get kind of rein in it even further, but. Imagine swapping that with a pinstripe. You're going to get a totally different sound, or a coated totally. emperor, totally different sound. Yeah, uh, hydraulics. I, totally it's, it, I think it is. I mean, tour custom. They're they're I guess targeting towards guys who are playing live. But I think if you just play a bunch of different styles of music, or if you want a kit that can give you whatever you want to throw at it, tuning wise or drumhead wise, you know, it, it kind of did that. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, the 22 inch bass drum. I would never use it for bebop, but. Right. They do have yeah, a yeah, they yeah. do have a twenty inch option that would be the the way to go if you play more of that you know more jazz or improvised instrumental music maybe that's the way to go but yeah I mean I, I was kind of the same way like I felt lukewarm in general because it was like okay what's special but then I realized what's special is that it can do whatever you want it to do right <laughs> like that's exactly what makes it special and yeah I mean I, I think that if if I was playing on you know. Uh, some singer songwriters album and the 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 engineer wanted to have full control over the drums i don't want to give him an overly colorized drum set this would be a nice nice option for that and like i said we're also talking about a 1300 dollars price point I for know. an entire drum set that's pretty, pretty rad yeah you know, and so. they're using the uh sort of the old school style hoops on the toms like the oh, okay whatever they were called stick saver style yeah, yeah, yeah. inward yeah. flange which is neat. They claim it yeah. kind of helps with the overtones a bit. Maybe I didn't. I didn't swap them out to try them with a standard hoop or anything. But it was just kind of a cool touch. Like, all right, they're doing yeah. that kind of throwback vibe. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, let's give it a listen. Another thing that before we get into the questions that I wanted to mention is I really love that, and I, I guess this is becoming industry standard, but I love that for that price point, you're also getting the rack toms with the Yamaha sustain system. Yeah. With the Yes exactly. system. Uh, that's always been one of my favorite ones because of just how little contact it is it has with the shell, but it's so incredibly sturdy. Yep. And it attaches to their hexagon mount with the ball mount swivel system. And so I've always been a fan of the Yes system. Yep, and the in the Tom's mount right to the bass drum, which I think for for gigging that's what I want. I don't want to be flying toms off the stands if I'm going mm-hmm. to be tearing up and setting down quickly. So yeah, I think they they hit something cool with this kit. You can check it out. I, we did the brown. What do they call the finish? Um, chocolate satin. Yes, we did the chocolate satin. They also have all the colors are kind of neutral, universal. There's a caramel. There's a licorice. There's a butterscotch, and there's a candy apple red. You're a caramel, not a caramel. Yeah. I didn't cool? know that about you. <laughs> That's awesome. That was actually even just saying it once was hard for me to say. I'm definitely a caramel. You're a caramel. Okay. Now, okay. Uh, that must let be, the debate begin. Yeah, we've got to have East Coast, West Coast listeners chime in. I, that has to be an East Coast, West Coast thing. I don't hear I, caramel ever. Really? No, unless you're talking oh. about the place called Carmel, which is C-A-R-M-E-L. That's Carmel. Carmel. 
Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you can go you can go buy a couple like hand wrapped caramels in Carmel, but you could never get a car. A, wait, how do you say it? A caramel. caramel. Ah. Okay, we're out. Uh, that's it. <laughs> I'm not saying aluminium. I'm not saying garage. I'm not saying caramel. Even though All I right. will give you this, that's how it's spelled. Siri. I I, I'm taking an entire hey, vowel out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't even do it. How do you say caramel? Oh, she doesn't want to I found work. an answer. Here it's it displayed on your iPhone. <laughs> Speak. <laughs> oh, it doesn't want to it doesn't want to participate. Uh, uh, inconclusive with Siri. You like know, everything. That's quite a debate. <laughs> that and is a hot dog a sandwich? No, it's a hot dog. I agree, but it's I mean, it is meat sandwiched sandwich. between two pieces of bread. Wrong. I mean, wrong. <laughs> no, I'm with you. So don't don't get all Dawson on me. I'm I'm with you, but I have heard the debate. It's a wrong. Hot dog. I love First that. First of all, I think the better question would be: Is a hot dog food? <laughs> and the answer is no. It's a treat. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, for those of you that couldn't be a part of that. Audio silence. Uh, I had both of my fingers that let Mr. Dawson know that he's still number one up in the air as I was trying to keep the green tea in my mouth. All right. So our first listener question Mm. is coming from Hot Dog. From Nick in Poughkeepsie, who I know says caramel. Right, Nick? It's an audio question. (laughs) (laughs) Let's check it out. I hope it's in there. Anyway, I want to get to my question uh, real quick. So... I've been teaching um, younger students for my, you know, five-year teaching career, and I recently just picked up my first adult student. I want to know uh, what your approaches are to teaching adults in contrast to teaching younger students. All right. Thank you, guys. Well, first of all, we cut out the first part of Nick's uh, question just because it w- we didn't want to pump ourselves up too much, but thank you for the kind <laughs> comments, Nick. We really appreciate it, buddy. Uh, I went through this on day one of teaching and it went really bad for me, which was I inherited my teaching job. Uh, I was teaching at, or I was working front counter at a store teacher got fired. I inherited 65 students. That teacher was in his late sixties, early seventies. So all of his students were adults. I inherited all of them. I was 17 years old. I had piercings in places I shouldn't have. I had a shaved head. I went in like a punk and I just tried to wow the students with crap and it went really bad and I lost most of my students within the first week teaching adults of any it doesn't matter what the age difference is between you and them it's about establishing the fact that you are confident in what you do you're not cocky you're not a punk but you're confident in the fact that you have something to offer them it doesn't matter that they're 10 years older than you or 20 years older than you or 30 years older than you they're coming to you for the information you have and you have to let them know the moment you walk out look them in the eye shake their hand smile you have to let them know like hey you may be my senior at in life but at this i've got this this is what i do for a living i have this down um and then i think there's no difference between adult and kid as long as they're not you know five or six years old but um a 50 year old woman and a 12 year old boy i'm teaching them the same as far as i'm asking them why are you here what do you want to learn what are your goals do you have any favorite drummers yet have you even gotten into that world because i also want to know do I get the chance to introduce you to Dave Weckl? That's awesome. Like, oh, wait till you see yeah, this. Right. <laughs> you know, you think that dude from Kiss is good? Oh, wait till I show you this. This is crazy, yeah. you know? Um, so, so yeah, I think, it, and, and, but with an adult, an adult needs to know you have this down, this teaching thing down. So I don't just go, so what do you want to learn? You know, it's like I let them know I have a plan in place. Our first lesson, my first lesson with students has always been free because it's the I'm not really teaching them anything. I'm getting them. I'm collecting all the information from them to start the plan. Uh, So I do that and I just let them know I've got this handled and we will. You won't come back next week and have me go. So what did we work on last week? You're (laughs) part of a plan. Right, right. I am. I am. I am on board with this. So what do you have, bud? Yeah, I don't have too much to add other than don't apologize. You know, it, confidence, like you said, is the main thing. You don't want to mm-hmm. like apologize while you're trying yeah. to teach someone. 
I think also having a sense of humor, like knowing how ridiculous it may feel for an adult to not be able to play a paradiddle and just have some humor right. about it and bring some, some levity to the situation. And then on the other side, I've had a, a lot of cases, not even teaching drums, but I also teach a journalism class where some of the people in my class are like very successful artists, but yeah. yet I'm having them write things and use words and they can't really do it. So I'm, there's this, you know, like, I know you're amazing at your instrument. I know how to put words together and let me help you get right. your artistic side to make more sense via the written language. Yeah. So just having that like confidence, like I know that I'm an editor, I'm a professional editor. You're an amazing player but you can't write about it. So let me right. help you get to that point. Yeah, and if you can tie the two together. I love knowing what my students do for a living or what they've succeeded at so I can say, okay, you know how you do this in your field? It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same totally. thing. Yeah. Retrace your steps of becoming a chiropractor. I'm sure you didn't just look at it back and know what to do. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's going to be the same. You're going to have to be very patient, and you're not a child anymore. You don't have that elastic brain. You don't have eight to ten free hours per day you know where your whole life is a summer Mm -hmm. this is going to be tough and it's going to take some time but the achievements are so awesome because you know you know that yesterday you couldn't play a paradiddle and today you can and you can feel that and that's i think that's something that every adult actually needs in their life that you know there's so many things that adults sign up for because they're like i just need to know that i'm improving at something Anything. And so I think drums are perfect for that. So, uh, Nick, really what it comes down to, buddy, is just confidence. Totally. uh, Without cockiness. All right. So let's transition into some written emailed questions that came in via mdinfo at monodrummer.com. This first one is from Matt. He says, I have a 2005 Yamaha Maple Custom Absolute Drum Kit with hanging floor toms and have considered adding drilled floor tom legs. My hesitation has been if it will devalue the kit, or is this something I should worry about? He says, for what it's worth, I have no plans to ever sell this kit. I think he answered his own question then, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I I think (laughs) if if you're not going to sell it, do do what you want to make that drum set yours. Yeah. and, and you know, if if you are going to sell it, it's not going to devalue it to the point that it's a worthless kit. You know, maybe the person bought. You just have to. You're going to wait around until you find somebody that wishes those floor tom legs would have been drilled in the first place. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think you're fine, man. Do make the kit yours. That is the difference between a drum set and a drum kit in my mind. Drum set, yeah. you buy at Montgomery Wards, comes with Mickey Mouse ears for toms. <laughs> drum kit, you make it yours. You tweak it. You mess with it. You drill stuff <laughs> and i kind of feel like a badge of honor to devalue your kit like right beat it up man give it some Dude, scratches give it something. you should have seen uh nate the guy that does camera stuff here him and then uh my buddy devin sumner they both were over and i immediately started just ripping on the side of my floor tom and i have a brand new lacquered <laughs> kit and they were just like be- they're like what are you doing i'm like dude this thing is way too glossy and shiny like i can't i I wish I could get on the outside of the toms and hit them, man. Like, that's yeah, I, mean, I think what it's all about. That, you know, I mean, yeah. and quite frankly, there's not. I don't think there's a huge resale market for that particular kit. I mean, you'd be waiting 30 years for someone to be like, "Remember that Yamaha Absolute Nouveau right. or whatever yeah, it was?" Yeah. So I think, yeah. yeah, do what you want. And, and when it related to, I saw <laughs> just this morning, I looked at my dog's leash, and the clip was all like worn out in the most amazing way. I'm like. That means we've walked a lot of miles, dude. Like, oh, that that's is cool. Yeah, awesome. there's some pride in that, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So devalue that yeah. sucker. All right, the next one comes from uh, Sanivas. S-A-N-N-I-V-A-S. We're going to call that's him a, yeah. Mr. Reddy because his last name okay. is Reddy. Do you guys believe stick control is still a relevant, necessary book for the modern drummer? I find myself using books very often but stick control doesn't seem necessary anymore for me should i be using it or how do you guys <laughs> use it i love that dude sonny boss you're just too good that's okay <laughs> nothing wrong with that i say chuck it man chuck that thing in the trash you ain't got time for stick control to be slowing you down uh no we don't feel that way um <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, man. If anyone actually was like, if somebody actually came to like a drum hang and they're like, still using stick control? What are you, 12? I'm out of here. 
<laughs> you guys are losers. No, I think the the thing with stick control and uh, syncopation, the reason why they've stuck around is not because people play the pages as written. Obviously, you can do that and do that for a lifetime, bump up the BPM. It's what you do with those books that makes that that that's the reason that they've stuck around. Every yeah. teacher has forty lessons built out of page one. Yeah, so, it's a great way to teach creativity and and thoroughness and you yeah. know like just and and the constant pursuit i mean you can never you'll never perfect exercises one through 13 you just won't so and the fact that you and i have i mean probably four or five times in the history of this podcast we've talked about what we do with stick control and with syncopation and both times we've informed each other of things that neither of us have ever done but we've yeah. had those books since we were five years old yeah so Absolutely. so yeah I, I i don't think you're done with it i think you're probably done with what you're doing with it now you need to just like mike said push your own personal creativity and think okay each left is now a diddle each right is a ghost uh mm-hmm. each left so, is yeah. now my bass drum and the right is both hands together i mean you can just it's it's endless indeed um, i mean there are a lot of other there's actually a book on my desk right now that it's by my friend matt marucci he went through <laughs> Sacramento. Yeah, he went through stick control and, and discovered all the missing stickings and created his own book out of it because there's a there's a whole bunch of stickings that for whatever reason George Stone didn't include. So oh, he's nice. got like the extra. I mean, it's hard too. And I'm I, I'm on page one and I've gotten through five examples and it looks nice. just like stick control, but it's just slightly different stickings. It's called Essential Snare Jump Exercises by Matt Marie. That's awesome. Yeah. Me and that dude early on did not click. I went to him for drum lessons when I was 16 or 17. And he's, I just, I wasn't. He's hardcore, right? Oh, he's super hardcore. Yeah. He's full East Coast hardcore. Yeah, that's what I thought. His last name's Marucci. Like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and he was he was one of our big time jazz guys in Sacramento. And I yeah. went to him. I was still in jazz band in high school, but I was not ready to accept anyone's opinion that wasn't Tim Alexander. You know, and... Mm. And he was and he was hardcore, and I just was like, "Yeah, mom." My mom picked me up outside his house, and I was like, "Yeah, that's that's not for me." That seems like he would actually teach me how to play the drums. I don't need that. I'm going to need somebody that will just totally coddle me and say, "You're awesome." So, uh, so yeah. But now we've become friends, and every time I see him, um, and I used to uh, skips music. The place I used to teach for years and years. His son was in the drum shop there, so I've known his son forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Matt's a great guy and, and a great educator. Yeah, so stick control. Keep keep bringing it back out. And I think also if you're going to teach, you got to have it's like having the fundamentals of of, of education. You've got to have that Agreed. book. Agreed. Uh, okay. All right, we got time for one more. This one's from Jorge. Uh, he says, "I recently began recording myself playing live in order to analyze my playing and find out what needs the most work." I uh, have about nine hours of video, but where do I start? What should I analyze first? Oh boy. Hmm. Well, I think maybe I would start with your practice because if you're filming nine hours of stuff, then something wasn't focused enough. That sounds like maybe jamming. Um, it's nine hours of live gigging. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then I think you have to pick something that you um, that sticks out to you. Uh, maybe it's not even drumming. Maybe it's your performance. How do you how do you look and what kind of vibe do you put off? I mean, that's such a common thing that. I just from knowing you as a person, I can only imagine you must have went through this earlier in your life. Did anyone ever think that you looked bored when you played drums? Because oh, you're a very concentrated person. That was my dad's number. Well, I had two two reactions. My dad's number one reaction because he's he, he's not a performer, but he's also he, but he's very outgoing. Was you've okay. got to you've got to perform more. He's like you're playing all right. this amazing stuff, but you're make it look too easy. That was his number one right. criticism. But the dudes I was playing in a band with were like, you're so intense that it just makes us way more focused. So I think oh, if you're in okay. the if you're in the audience, you can't see that the fact that I'm I've got laser beam eyes or whatever. But if you're on the bandstand with me, it's like, get on board, dude. We're playing for real. We're not messing around. Right. So right, sure. It was two different things. But yeah, I got a lot of criticism 
from friends and family like you just look like you're you're not doing anything like well that's what and I, I think want it, it to look like yeah i think it also depends on the gig right if i'm in a jazz band competition you know doing the golden yeah. empire festival yeah, I wouldn't mind having that. But if I'm playing a wedding band, I'm not going to take Girl from Ipanema that seriously. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I want to have some fun. Like, people are trying to dance. I love it. Like, you just gave me the look like, no, you should take it that seriously. It's Girl from Ipanema. It's Antonio Carlos Jobim. You don't mess with Jobim. That's a Brazilian say, legend. You didn't say record a May or something. Like, oh, man, don't, don't mess with Joe Henderson, man. Don't do it. <laughs> but no, no. I mean, I, I think that it depends on the gig for sure. And uh, so you could start there. And then obviously what matters in live gigs? Like, are you massively rushing? Now, we obviously know that unless you're playing with a click, you're gonna the music's going to breathe a little. But are you in charge of messing up the time feel? Um, yeah. I definitely on a live gig, I probably wouldn't be picking apart my, my chops and all that kind of stuff, you know, I think. Um, and you might also want to pick apart your technique and find out, oh, wow, I was really clubbing the sticks for the first three songs because I had such bad arm pump. And it's like, okay, well, then that gives you a, a good indication you need to warm up more so that you're loose before you ever hit the stage. Yeah, I mean, I think those are all perfect suggestions. I think um, for me, it'd be like, what's the first thing that makes me cringe? Then that's what I'm going to address, exactly. whatever it is. I mean, there was one point I saw myself on TV. I played a 4th of July gig, and they put it on the local TV station. I saw myself, and I looked fat. Literally, it was like, okay, time to hit the gym. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and I did. I lost a bunch of weight. So, But then musically... I think it, depending on the quality of the audio, you might not be able to judge certain things if it's like a kind of harsh live recording. So you might right. want to like just look at tempos. Is it exact? Is are you mm-hmm. actually playing the tempo you thought you were playing? That's one thing I yeah. realized. Like most of the bands I play with, we always play too fast. Always, yeah, yeah. And always. I th- I think one of the things too when it comes to that is how long did it take for you to settle into each song. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, right. It's always this little balance beam for the first eight bars, and then now it's Man <laughs> yeah. in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. Um, <laughs> <Right>. But so, <laughs> how long does it take for that thing to hit? All right, everybody, if you want to keep sending in your questions, please do. You can send in audio or text to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. Uh, so, send anything you want. Let's get to our picks of the week. I'm trying to find the model number for mine. So, I got some Bluetooth speakers sent to the office to check out by our friends at Ultimate Ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, they're in partnership, I think, with Logitech, which is the speakers that I use for my computer when I'm doing mixing for modern drummers, like web videos and stuff. So I know Logitech stuff. It's clean. It sounds good and affordable. They partnered with Ultimate Ears, and now they have something called the Wonder Boom. Okay. It is a. It's about the size of a grapefruit, but it sounds amazing and. So it's just a nice portable speaker, but I've been taking it to my private lessons when I'm outside of my studio and using that instead of wiring up uh, for playback. Yeah, for playback, they can play along to the metronome, and it's it's loud enough, but not you know it's not super big. I can just throw it in my bag. So it's called the Wonder Boom. It's like a hundred dollars. That's awesome. I'm pretty sure Logitech owns Ultimate Ears. I think they bought out Ultimate Ears like three years or four years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's why it's all one website. Yeah. So, okay, that's that's the deal. So it's it's a nice high quality speaker, um, simple. It's actually waterproof, so you can throw it in the pool if you wanted to. Uh, it's called the Wonder Boom UE Ultimate Ears Wonder Boom Wireless Speaker. Awesome. And I don't know if you noticed if you went on their website, but they're offering a Bluetooth version of in ears now. And man, mm. that's like an option you can add to any of their in ears. I'm like, ooh, that sounds awesome. I. There is nothing worse mm. than getting up from your kit, forgetting you have your in-ears in, and they yank you back because they're like custom molds. Yeah. My only fear is Bluetooth inside my ear. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but, I, I feel like, I don't know. I, 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 I would love to try it out. What happens if you lose your connection and then you're just deaf? Like That's because, yeah. Well, that's because you're thinking about Lion King stuff, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about uh, no wires while I'm filming videos, that would be rad. Yeah, true. I would love that. Yeah, or just while you're practicing, because I yeah. Oh, I hate having get to up, take them out, go get some tea. Woo, 
Anyway, so, uh, and we need to review those UE6s, and you got the UE11s. I did, yep. And those are full-on reference monitors, dude. You they can are. hear everything. They sound, yeah, so we should do a full review of the, the 6, what are they calling them? I think it changed. The 6 from, Pro. 6 Pro, yeah. Yep. So the yep. UE6 Pro kind of geared straight to drummers, and then uh, the UE11, since we both have both of those, I think that'd be a great thing. Maybe we can do that next week. And we definitely need to knock out that Yamaha EAD 10. Right. Yes. Uh, so so, many, so my many pick things. of the week. So many things. My pick of the week. Uh, since I mentioned it so much, I figured I'll make it my pick of the week because it really did inspire me to get on the pad and take things even more seriously. So uh, it's the there's three CrossFit documentaries. And I think what everyone that listens to this show can get out of it, obviously, you're going to look at it and be like, wow, that lady's bigger than any man that I've ever seen. And that dude's bigger than any man that I've ever seen. And uh, we get it. They're fit human beings. But it's it's the search for the fittest humans on earth. And I just don't see how you can watch something like this. By the way, it's done really well. I don't see how you can watch something like this and not get inspired to be a little bit more dedicated at something in your life, whether it be fitness, your eating, or for me, this thing sent me, it didn't send me to on the ground to do pushups. It sent me to my practice pad. Mm-hmm. Cause I just thought, okay, I can have more focus. I can be more dedicated. I, I want to be, I don't want to be good at everything. I want to be great at something. And I've chosen this instrument, so I'm going to be great at it. And so there's two of them that you can watch, the 2015 and the 2016 CrossFit games. It's the documentary of those games. You can watch those for free on Netflix. Well, free is relative. Uh, But you can watch those on Netflix, or you can uh, rent or buy the newest one, which is called uh, The Redeemed and the Dominant, Fittest on Earth. Uh, You can get that on iTunes now. So. I suggest since the cast of characters pretty much stays the same, the same few people are competing every year, mm-hmm. start at 2015, go to 2016, go to 2017. And you know my wife, Amber. Like, I mean, she's fit, but she's not like this. She's not a freak. She literally got stuck watching it because I made her watch it. She got addicted. And then she said, we need to find out where the 2018 games are. I want to go. Nice. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, are you crazy? I don't want to be in the stands being like, like no way. I don't want to go to the CrossFit oh, games. Man. And she's so obsessed with it because of the characters. So uh, it, it's, it's pretty interesting. But anytime you watch somebody, whether it be a sport or mm-hmm. intellect or anything that pushes themselves as far as they can, I just – I don't know. It's really hard to not be inspired by stuff like that. So, Dig it. so uh, I've got to yeah. add. I've got to add mm. a side note choice to that. There's a. You've heard of David Goggins? I have a, not. He's a former Navy SEAL. That he. I think he's the only person to ever do complete Ranger training, Navy SEAL training, and Delta Force training. Okay. Um, he's got. He's he. He's very explicit. He uses the f word like in every sentence. But to okay. hear his story, there's a couple podcasts. I think the Joe Rogan one is really good. But if you just go to his website, davidgoggins.com, it's the exact same thing about like this dude ran a hundred miles in 24 hours, never having done long distance running before ever, and just to hear wow. the story of how he was able to go to the point of almost literal death and complete the 100 miles <laughs> and wow. just the fact that like there is no giving up like you can always do more so he's a character i would follow him on facebook as well he he does he does like live q and a's where he'll do i think 15 15 push-ups every minute for an hour and take questions and answers <laughs> so. and he worked himself into the shape because i'm looking at pictures of him being very out of shape yeah um, yeah exactly so he put in the work yeah, so yeah. now he, now he's like one of these extreme runners that does like hundred miles, like like no big deal. But he started out being very overweight, similar, just a similar motivational story. Like he's yeah, one of those. Absolutely. I need an alarm clock like him. Like get up, dude. Like I ran a hundred yeah. miles in twenty four hours. Get up. You can something. at least get up. You can at least get on the pad and improve your single <laughs> right. strokes. You slacker. <laughs> 2 BPM. I don't have time for you, Dawson. (laughs) Awesome. All right, everybody. Have an amazing day. Get out there. Go practice. Play your drums. Record yourself and send it in as an intro or an outro. Who's our outro? I'm not going to forget. Big Al. Big Al.